This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Small Biz America. The Brain. Returning to the Small Biz Brain is George Lovato Jr. He's the president and principal at BH Capital Limited and the author of the book, The Obstacle Course, packed with lessons learned and practical business advice. A must read for people starting a business, currently running one, or executives seeking insight and inspiration. Joining us on the line from BH Capital headquarters in Albuquerque, New Mexico, to share more about his insights with respect to capital. Capital Formation is George Lovato. George, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back on, Dave. This is great to talk to you again, and I'm glad we get the opportunity to sort of put a, a new puzzle together for people out there. Absolutely. So when you approach the mechanics of mid-stage capital formation, the fundamentals of structure, you've said location, location, location. Uh, tell us more about how important structure is. Yeah, in the, in the real estate business, what makes a real estate investment is always three things, location, location, location. In capital formation, it has three basic rules, structure, structure, structure. As many hairs as I have on my head, there's a structure for a specific situation, and you have to match the client, the situation, and the capital resource all together. It's not as simple as just going to your local bank and uh, making a, an introduction, presenting a business plan, projections, financial statements, etc. There's a lot more to it. And not all banks are the answer for all businesses. So with that in mind, pay attention to what you need and what that structure is that allows you to meet your goals, match the opportunities, needs, uh, and also um, will allow you to operate freely and, and without interruption to your own management style. From your experience, George Lovato, what are some of the primary questions you might ask a client or someone who owns a business should ask themselves when approaching how best to structure a deal? We talked about this in the first interview and planning, projecting, planning, projecting, so on and so forth. We yeah. went through that basic rule. But here, after we've planned and we've, we've projected, we've, we visualize what that goal line is to look like, we have to ask ourselves, what's our true intent uh, of the capital? Where does it need to go within the boundaries of the business to give the business the best advantage? What is the true definition of the opportunity, and how does the opportunity benefit by debt, by equity, by a combination of uh, those two basic vehicles? Mm -hmm. 
And what are the mechanics involved if it is a borrowing mechanism? Um, how cumbersome, how complicated are those mechanics involved um, in applying the particular credit facility to the opportunity? So you have to ask, where do I want to wind up, and how can I operate within the boundaries of that credit facility or that equity facility? And furthermore, what does it do for the business? Where does that money go to add value? And, and that's a very uh, telling series of questions that will require uh, a lot of thought and a lot of analysis on the part of the client. I don't make those decisions for the clients. I ask those questions. And it helps me understand, essentially, their intent and their usage of the capital. You have written that the bank is not always the answer. Uh, in other words, when a bank turns you down, it's not necessarily the end of the world. Uh, what do you mean when you say, I guess there are other uh, options out there, aren't there? Yeah, I, you know, you get people in here that, uh, you know, I've been to every bank in town and everybody's turning me down. It's not the end of the world. In some cases, a banking environment is not conducive to what the business needs. Mm. There, there are limited credit facilities, there are limited structures within a regulated environment like a bank, and it does not always meet uh, the requirements of the borrower. So I always come back with the response, so what? There are plenty of fish in this capital formation sea. Let's find the right lender for you. Let's find the right credit facility for you. So they must. People think that banks are end all, see all. But remember, and and I'm not talking my brethren down here. Uh, please understand that. But okay. most bankers have not had the pleasure of running their own business. They've not been out on the front line or in the trenches, as we say. Mm. Uh, the, as a result of that. They work within a structure where you fit in a box, uh, that box is their product. If you fit, fine. If you don't, you don't move on. They really aren't in a position to structure a transaction to the benefit of the opportunity and the client. The structure is limited, and so if you don't fit within the boundaries of that box, that particular product that the bank has, then say la vie, you're done. There are plenty of resources out there, both non-regulated and semi-regulated, and there are banks out there that have a host of different products. So sometimes the banks in your area may not be suited to your opportunity. Then you've got to move outside that area. Sometimes banks just in general can't provide that particular type of capital formation vehicle. Then you go to the semi-regulated environment to which there are literally thousands of sources around the country. Match the client, match the credit facility, the equity facility to the opportunity. That's really the goal, and the bank isn't always answer. If you're just joining us, we're visiting with author George Lovato. The book, The Obstacle Course, the website www.bhcapitalltd.com. What is a credit enhancement? A credit enhancement, we know about them and we use them every day. Let me start with the most common credit enhancement, and that's an SBA guarantee. That is nothing more than an additional guarantee as we see it to a borrowing, meaning that the primary borrower is capable to reach a certain threshold of borrowing but not capable of reaching beyond that, and his needs are beyond that. And so the government steps in, and they provide an additional guarantee. Now, 
That said, what must be done is a whole host of paperwork. It's very complex, very, 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 very complicated and time-consuming. And not always do you reach the finish line with an SBA guarantee. BH Capital used to process a lot of SBA loans, and we got out of it several years ago because of that fact. We went to the next level, and we look at credit enhancements in a private environment where we have individuals or other institutions that bring uh, their good faith and credit or other collateral to the table and can enhance a transaction. So it's one of the ways that we get the client over that threshold and, and get them to that point beyond where they need to be. When you talk about asset-based lending, uh, you have written this is uh, only the few and the brave uh, for the well-disciplined. There's an approach to asset-based lending that you like to practice. Tell us a little bit about how you approach this. Yeah, I've said before, and I say it to clients all the time, never borrow in the moment. Don't take just what's offered. Case in point uh, was one client uh, had gone and borrowed millions of dollars on a very short amortization in the form of a term loan. As a result of that short amortization, the, the available cash flow in the business was, a, was essentially sapped, and there was no ability for that business to expand and, and actually build liquidity. What that business actually needed was an asset-based line of credit. It didn't need a term loan, and it didn't need a short amortization. But the business took that loan because that's all that was offered. Asset-based lending is a, a highly disciplined credit facility that utilizes your current assets uh, primarily in the form of accounts receivable, uh, work in process, and inventory and puts them together and allows the company, based on those uh, figures that are generated uh, on the financial statement, to take a percentage of that and advance it into the business. Now, uh, so what happens is essentially you're covering your basic cost of sales. You're allowed to put those orders or meet the client's, the customer's needs at the dock and get the product shipped. Uh, It's your responsibility to stay within those boundaries, and I say you, it's, it's well-disciplined. It requires a lot of discipline on the part of the borrower. You have a tendency to, uh, you know, well, you know, uh, this order isn't quite work-in-process, but I'll, I'll put it in the work-in-process category because I need the money. No, yeah. you really can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's usually the slippage that begins to occur that causes the demise of the functionality of, of an asset-based line. There are a whole host of other things you have to do, but that's basically what it does. It takes those three elements, gives you a percentage of advance, and then allows you to put that cash to work in meeting the demands of your customers. Understanding that each transaction is its own color and nuance, uh, are there particular situations where an asset-based facility would be desirable? Primarily in businesses involved in manufacturing, uh, agriculture, distribution, uh, in the cases of of some multimedia companies that produce products and and sell products, that is where it's most applicable. Uh, Service and repair type business where maybe you're involved in providing government contract, uh, your government contractor, and you're providing services to the government, that's where that would work as well. 
so that's sort of the environment. It, it's not the end-all, see-all. Most people come in to see me and say, well, I just need a line of credit. Yeah. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe in some cases they need a term loan. You and I have discussed that uh, with another client, and uh, that, that is primarily a case where you need inline financing, where you need asset-based financing, you need inventory financing, you need term financing, you need equipment financing, and then you need a really long-term type mortgage, all integrated into uh, Uh one element. And so that's where ABL, uh, asset-based lending, becomes part and parcel of a much bigger picture. It's not always the end-all season. When you talk about inline, is is this what you mean, this integrated approach with many different sort of uh, types of uh, facilities in place? Three or four different types of facilities, okay. all integrated into uh, one borrowing structure so that you're able to advance off a line uh, of credit based on your work in progress or your account receivable. You're able to buy inventory uh, that will come off uh, another portion. You're able to, to finance uh, intermediate term equipment improvements, and you're able to um, expand real estate long term as all part of that integrated uh, mechanical uh, application. So it it's the new thing. It's something that we developed years ago when we said, look, you know, ABL isn't the answer. Long term, is it? we need both. Here's the lender. The lender's going to take a collateral position across the board anyway. Why don't we meet, why don't we sort of reposition the ratios on the balance sheet by creating this in line rather than overburdening uh, short-term liabilities or overburdening long-term mm. and throwing the, the, the client's balance sheet out of ratio. This is, this is a more balanced approach where it's applicable. This is fascinating. Uh, visiting with George Lovato, he's the author of The Obstacle Course, uh, his website, www.bhcapitalltd. That's uh, bhcapitalltd.com. George, when you, we talk about chasing equity, and I asked you this offline, this is uh, involves the, the basics of forming equity or raising money in the form of equity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I try to impress upon people that there this isn't as easy as it sounds well i'll just call friends family and former enemies and uh, i'll raise a little money and put that in the business yeah uh, there is more of an artistic approach to raising equity than than you may imagine and in involved with that is again structure uh, again, you must analyze where that money is going to go, where does it best benefit the business and the opportunity. And then here's the other wild card. You, you need to match the investor to what you're offering in the way of that structure, what the investor's expectations are. And I used to, when I was young, I, I, I was always in awe of these people that would say to me, oh, uh, I just raised X number of dollars, and, and or I'm going to raise X number of dollars. It's already done. And I would sit there and scratch my head and say, wow, that, you know, it was only a week ago that idea came up. How'd they do that? And then I'd find out that was all smoke and mirrors, and, you know, they were essentially trying to create a, uh, a sense of urgency and excitement about their own transaction and telling the world, well, it's done, but I can probably squeeze you in. Well, I don't cotton to that sort of approach. I think you, if you have a real offering and the structure is well done, it will attract the people that are attracted to that type of structure. 
And the, the, the challenge is, is getting out there and finding those institutions and those individuals. And that takes work. It takes a long time uh, to accomplish that. And I tell people, if you need equity and you're coming to me, don't expect it in the next couple of weeks. It can literally take months. It takes months to structure a deal, to analyze the business, to see where the advantage can be best provided. Uh, it takes time to make the presentations after all your legal documentation is completed. You've got to get lawyers involved, accountants involved. There are registration statements. There, there are exemptions uh, and filing requirements you have to meet. And then you've got to hit the bricks, and you've got to go out there and, and engage hand-to-hand combat. Uh, you have to go out there and talk to 50 people to get one that will come in. And then you're going to continue on that path, and then you've got to work on shareholder relations. You have to be ready to provide a steady stream of information of your progress, or, or not your progress. I mean, you, you must tell your investors uh, everything that's going on within the boundaries of your business, both good and bad. And those structures that we talk about uh, that's done early on, you have to take those elements of non-performance on the business's part into consideration of the structure. What happens if? What are the alternatives when? And so there's, it's, a, it's a long cognitive process, and it's a very labor-intense process once you hit the street. I, I always tell one story. I, I was confounded on trying to figure out how to raise capital in my very first venture, and the first batch of capital that came in was friends, family, and former enemies, and that came relatively easy. And then I needed more capital, more fuel in the tank, and I had to beat the streets. And trial and error teaches you a lot. Learn by doing. And I found out over time, structure was the key element to attracting people. And I was a very young guy at that time, and age had a lot to do with people saying no. They certainly believed I had the chutzpah, but they didn't believe I had the experience to run uh, or the capacity to run a public company, and that's what always put them off, to, so to speak. So I learned that then it's people again. People make transactions, not projects. And uh, so I hired a gray-haired guy that was essentially my wingman, and he was involved in a lot of the presentations, and guess what? It started to come together. We were able to raise private capital. We were then able to go on and raise public capital, and the concern about uh, the image of this young kid running this company, there were a lot of gray-haired people behind me at that time. That's essentially one of the structural elements that affected uh, the transaction and its ultimate success. Talking about the prejudices, uh, beyond the people involved in the transaction, George, how has, we're sitting together in uh, November of 2010, still an um, extraordinary environment in banking and, and otherwise credit uh, markets, uh, how would you characterize the environment? How has this particular two or three four-year period changed the way capital is being formed I, I've been talking about it recently on my blog on the website and uh, I get this question a lot where's the money is there money uh, where do we go who do we talk to uh, are banks still in the business we hear banks aren't we hear that insurance companies aren't doing anything at all the fact of the matter is I deal with these banks and insurance companies and um, managed investment funds um, uh, semi-regulated lenders all over the world and in this country money is still available what's changed 
is the preparedness that the borrower or the company needs in order to attract the type of debt uh, instrument or equity capital into the business. You the the startup stage, the the first stage uh, of growth development. It's very resistant in the marketplace right now. Mid-stage companies are being readily accepted on a daily basis from where we sit in this big capital formation stadium. Uh, we see that uh, these mid-stage companies are coming to the table with a better presentation. Their CFOs are more knowledgeable about capital formation. These CFOs are uh, thinking more about the transaction from a banking and capital formation perspective as opposed to just pure accounting. And the presentations are now more understandable to the extent that the people reviewing them are taking more time to analyze whether there is or isn't an opportunity. So the fuse that's burning for a transaction to be analyzed is longer. The preparedness, the fuse burning over here to prepare a transaction or a company uh, for that type of entry into the, the stadium is taking longer, and there has to be a lot more detail provided, more so than in any time in the almost 30 years I've been in the business. So our underwriting process is taking, in short, a lot longer. And we're having to evaluate whether this is a true mid-stage company or it's not, or it's still maybe lagging a little bit behind. It maybe, you know, might be better uh, suited to some interim uh, type of capital rather than more sophisticated resourcing. So we have to look at that. We're taking longer. We, we see, see anywhere from 20 to 40 transactions a week, and the vast majority of them we say no to. The ones we do say yes to are the ones that we feel, A, have the time, uh, for that first part of the fuse to burn off and have the resources within the company to prepare that type of underwriting or help us prepare it. And second of all, have a little more fuse left to burn uh, to wait for the analysis from that third party out there that we're essentially participating with. Because a third of the time we lend or invest directly, a third of the time we're participating with another institution, and a third of the time we are uh, controlling another institution's money in a transaction. In those instances, there's just a whole lot more meat between the two layers of bread than there ever has been before. Mm -hmm. What's the cutoff when you talk about a mid-stage company from a definition point of view? It's a, that's a hard question. Uh, <laughs> okay. I've, seen, uh, I, I've seen companies grow into maturity within two years. And I, I see uh, their opportunity within that two-year, or at that two-year mark, present itself to where there can be, be a tremendous leap and bound in growth mm -hmm. uh, in earnings. I've seen companies after 15 years uh, just barely get to that point. Wow. So uh, the definition, I think, is not related to so much age of the company as it is in the stability of earnings and the path of growth and the control uh, and understanding of management of its expenses, its capital, its liquidity. It's just tough to run a business without having a full understanding in, in this time and era uh, of what a financial statement is. Um, you know, it took me years to 
learn the intricacies and fine points of foot, footnoting and uh, explaining away the various cash flow transactions and statements of cash flow. So you really have to be better schooled in that environment. And when you see that maturity in management, that's one of the elements that plugs into the mid-stage definition. Okay. Uh, so I think it's more management-related uh, and it's opportunity-related, and if it's management really has a handle uh, on how to run their business, they're smart about it, and they they really know what's going on. This just isn't a surprise. Gee, I don't know how I got here. It sure has been fun. <laughs> That's not the answer that a lender wants to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great stuff. George, always great to have you. Um, thank you for your time on this segment. George Lovato has been our guest. The company is BH Capital Limited, www.bhcapitalltd.com. He's the author of The Obstacle Course. You can buy the book at the website. Again, www.bh capital ltd.com george thanks as always for joining us on the program thanks dave really appreciate it and it's always fun small biz america the brain online at smallbizamerica.com small biz. small biz america this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com